preach anything, those are things that are the outworking fruit of what God is working in us. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 that death is what is working in us so that life through us, the life of Christ, may be worked in others. You have to understand that. So denying the Lord doesn't mean that I'm denying him and I'm saying I don't believe in the Lord. Denying the Lord is not preaching the cross because that if we're not preaching the cross, we're denying him the avenue through which he works in our lives by his spirit. And when this happens, destruction always comes forth. The destructive power of the sin nature. Because if our, listen, if our faith does not remain in its object, the object that allowed God to give us this measure of faith, then the only other avenue is the sin nature unto death. Romans 6, 16, destructive death. The destructive, the disunion, the, the, the disunion. You can be saying cross, you can be saying these things, but are we preaching the word in the light of Calvary? And are we only allowing men and women to come in and preach the word in the light of the Lamb? Are we being told that the Holy Spirit will not work in your life if your faith is not in that which allowed God to give you that measure of faith so that he could begin the good work in you. If, 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 if that's not what our faith is in, then the sin nature, the sin nature has awakened. And, and, and you know, we need to understand the beauty of the cross because the cross is where Christ took that thing that we were, that old sin man, that old sin nature, and crucified him to the tree. But you see, in the natural, that's what was going on in the spirit. The natural, it was the, the sin nature of men that crucified Christ. So when that sin nature revives it's the very nature of what crucified Christ. See, that's the beauty of beholding the Lamb and never taking your eyes off of Christ's death for you because that's where you met Him. That's where you were immersed into Him. That's where you became one with Him. And they that are one with the Lord are of one spirit. That's where you began walking in the Spirit with him and in him. And when we look away from that, then we're looking away from the only place God works, the only place our faith works, the only, the only object and thing we can look at to show us what we're being made conformable to. And every word written in the Bible is to enhance the beauty of that glorious lamb and his work there for us. Every word in the Bible. Some say, well, no, some, some words in the Bible are to teach us to pray. If you're not beholding the Lamb, my friend, you're only going to be talking to yourself. And, and you're going to end up in much confusion. And, and where there's confusion, there's contradiction. 
Well, I'm praying, but nothing's happening. Well, you got to be beholding the lamb. Outside the lamb, there's nothing of God that's happening among his people. And let me say this today, and hope I'm not being ugly, but I hope it give you a reality check today because so many of us for so many years have had this, this just this one avenue of thought toward God or toward Jesus Christ. And, and, and all we think about is just that he's loving and merciful and gentle and good and long-suffering and kind even to the evil and the unjust. And those things are absolutely true. And if you don't know those things, you'll suffer greatly. But you need to understand also that this same Savior who loved you enough to give his life for you is also the Lord of lords and king of kings that will not deviate from his new covenant that's only found in his blood, and he will not allow his spirit to work outside of this one boundary, this sphere, this rule, the Bible calls it in Galatians 6 and 16. So I want to ask this question to you today. When Ananias and Sapphira came in to where Peter was, having sold some property, and lied about the amount that they sold it for, which there was no reason for them to do that, except some desire to look more religious and holy than obviously they were. And they lied to the Holy Spirit. So I pose this question to you, and we'll move on, but it's just something I want you to think about. Who killed them? Who killed them? Who put them to death? All power in heaven and on earth belonged to Christ. So you better be careful about this Jesus that you just have this one-sided view of, but you don't reverence him and you don't fear him. He is God Almighty. He is God Almighty. He is to be reverenced. He is to be feared. I see the church today talking about, hello, hello, God. Hello, hello, what's up, God? There's no reverence. There's no fear. And they wonder why they're so miserable. And they get themselves in so much of a horrible mess And because they think that God is just some puppet on their strings that they're pulling and I needed to talk about this for a minute this morning because this same Jesus that loved us enough to give himself for us on the cross by grace through faith is the same Jesus that does not tell jokes. He does not deviate from this one avenue in which he offered himself to be everything to you. But there is a fear and a reverence that must be there. And I just needed to say that today because so many Christians, they just think about this love. And a lot of times this love in their minds is not really anything more than feelings and emotions. Now, love will move your feelings and emotions, but so will sin. So will the lust of the flesh. Everything moves our emotions and our feelings. But we need to make sure we understand that the love of God put his son to death. And the love of God is on offer to every human being today. 
but only through the cross, no other way. And we, we got to be very careful that we don't have some warped and lopsided view that Christ is all these things that we say he is, which he is according to the scriptures. But we don't ever see the side that causes our hearts to fear before him, to reverence him. And we need to. So let's read this again. Just like under the old covenant when there were prophets who were not moved by men but moved by the Holy Spirit as God would move them along speaking to and through them, in that day, Peter says, but there were false prophets also among the people even as there shall be false teachers among you. And these false teachers, now, they secretly bring in destructive teachings, destructive things that cause disunion. And our only place of union is in the faith of the Lamb, not and something else. See, it's, it's everything that we add to after the Lamb that makes all the division, all the different denominations, all the disunions, the dismemberment of the body of Christ when it's only the Lamb and His finished work there that brings us together and brings us together as one body, members joined together of one body. These teachings outside of the focus of the Lord who bought us and paid for us, when you add to that, when you add to that, you're building a case for disunion. This is, this, this is why everything must be seen in the light of the Lamb. For only in that light was it written. Only in that light was it written. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. That's why the Lord himself rushed into the Garden of Eden upon the sin of Adam and Eve and preached to them the message of the cross, Christ and him crucified. The Lord rushed into the garden himself being determined to preach nothing but what had already been decided, predetermined from before the foundation of the world. And he preached in type and shadow the message of what he would do on a cross some 4,000 years later. I want you to understand it. Go back and read of what happened in the garden after man sinned and you'll see the Lord is pointing all the way to Calvary giving them the verbal expression of the promise of the seed of the woman, going to crush the devil's head, and then showing them by a sacrifice and then clothing them with the skins of those animals all of what would take place on Calvary's cross. And from that time forward, every time God spoke, no matter what he was speaking about, Jesus said it was about him. In John 5, 39, Luke 24, 44 through 46, Jesus said the scriptures were about him. He's the living word. And, and the prophets of old, of old, the Bible says they spoke in various ways and diverse manners <coughs> to the fathers of Israel. But in these last days, he, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that in these last days, God is speaking, he has spoken to us by his son. And that means through the sacrifice he provided 
by son. You need to understand that. So these men, and, th- and this, is, this is in every town, every city, every rural area, everywhere, every country, every tribe, every nation, where there are men and women determined to be still and to focus on that which gave them focus, which was being born again, faith in the Savior and what he did at Calvary, when they stand still in that, then the Holy Spirit can guide them into all truth. But get all truth is based on Jesus Christ and him crucified. Remember the scriptures of old pointed to that and the scriptures of new point back to that and all that we can have because of that if we don't move away from that, if we don't stop looking at that. And this is a good time to bring on the table 2 Corinthians 4.11. Lord is stirring this in my heart for the last few months, and and, and I don't see any end to it because it it is such a powerful and a mighty revelation of light. And that is, in 2 Corinthians 4.11, Paul, by the Holy Spirit, tells us that, that the Spirit of God always delivers us who are alive to death for Jesus' sake. So that what he did in his death won't be for nothing. But we can experience what he did in death And he can be magnified and our Father can be glorified. But the reason he always, this means every moment of your life, every Bible study, every message, every every decision, everything happens as we behold the Lamb. You got to understand, you're not being made conformable unto anything but Christ and what he did, who he was, and what he did at Calvary. Second Corinthians three eighteen tell us that as we behold that image, that glorious image that we're being changed into by the Spirit of God, there going from glory to glory. And Philippians three ten tells us what that glorious image is we're beholding. It's the death of Jesus. Hallelujah. Why is that? It's because there God saw a perfect man, perfect humility, perfect obedience, depending exclusively upon the righteous judgment of God. That's what God saw. It's the most beautiful and magnificent, wondrous thing God has ever seen among men. And when you stay the course and refuse to look away from Calvary, the Lord will begin to show you its wonderful truths written from Genesis to Revelation and making you conformable into that very image of which Scripture is about. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. This is really the definition and the revelation of the Holy Spirit of truth and grace guiding us into all truth. Truth liberates. Truth changes. Truth instructs. Truth 
brings power of life, light, and liberty. Truth makes ministry legitimate. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. It's true, but it's the truth of Christ and Him crucified. Praise be to God. Are you getting anything out of this today? I know you are. Hallelujah. But you got to be careful because wherever there are true teachers, there will be very nearby false teachers who secretly, and they bring in destructive disunions, things that will try to disunion us. And we're supposed to be, as my good brother and friend, Pastor Don Ragsdale, said after the service Wednesday night, uh, that we are to be endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The bond. What holds us together is peace. But only in experience if our faith remains in what made our peace, which is the blood of Christ's cross, Colossians 1 and 20. You, if, you, if you're trying to get away from the cross... We've preached the cross. We've taught the cross. We need to move on. My friend, moving on from the cross is a place of disunion, destruction. Even if we're saying it in some secret under the table way. No, 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 brother. We're not moving on without the cross. We're just moving on. Now, we're bringing the truth of the cross with us, but we're going to start focusing on the practical things. God's practicality is the cross. All you have to do is behold the Lamb, and the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. Hallelujah. You, 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 don't, you won't have to be taught to pray. You will be a praying child of God. The Bible says you receive the Spirit of God that you cried out, Abba, Father, hallelujah. When you receive the Spirit of God, some things you just don't have to be told to do. When you have the Spirit of God, you know you have communication with God. When you have the Spirit of God, you now have that which bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. We need to learn all that's written in the Word, but we cannot learn unless we're beholding the lamb. You can't look at the lamb and then go somewhere else to learn. You have to learn through beholding the lamb. Jesus said, if you don't bear your cross, you can't be my disciple. Luke 14, 26 and 27. If you don't bear your cross, you cannot be my disciple. The word disciple no matter where you find it, means learner, one who's learning. And Jesus is not going to teach you anything that's not going to keep you in union with him in his death by faith and in union with others that also have this like precious faith, hallelujah, in his death. Not, yes, of course we believe in that, but we, no, no, not but we, yes, that's what our boast is in, alone, nothing else. God forbid that we boast in anything other than the cross of Christ. Why? Because that's what saved us. That's what separated us by crucifying us to the world with Jesus and the world unto us. That's where we're hidden. That's where we learn. Oh, we don't put the cross over there and then teach on other things. Everything is seen in the light of the Lamb or it's not seen in the light 
where God is offering it to us. If it is not the word in the light of the lamb, it will not be the word that will allow us to see the path God has before us. Those are just scriptural truths that can change your life if you'll just stay the course. If you've wavered and wandered off, if you've been led astray by, by following men that allow other things to come in and making excuses for them because you respect their persons or you've learned from them in the past. I've told our people for 18 years, if I start moving away from Calvary, if I allow people to come in that are not boasting in the cross of Christ and, and sharing the word in that light, you better run from them. Run. Run from them. Romans, Paul wrote it in Romans chapter 16 uh, that we are to mark those that call that bring in offense and cause division. How? Not by some unruly attitude because they're no longer going with this doctrine that sound that we received, which is that form of doctrine that made us free from sin and made us servants of righteousness. That word form there in Romans 6, 17 means pattern. Pattern, that pattern of doctrine. And when the word of God deviates from that pattern, that sound doctrine there that made us sound, that form of sound doctrine that made us sound, when we deviate from that, we're literally offering to the people something else. And it's being done in secret, even if I'm ignorant of it. Andrew, my son, said something a couple of years ago at, at one of the determined camp meetings, and he said, he said that an ignorant shepherd is as dangerous as a false shepherd because neither know the way to live for God. They can tell you all the things the Bible says to do, but how to do all the to-dos, they don't know. If, if You know who they are because, and I'm not condemning anybody because I was there, but nevertheless, it's destructive if it's not the cross. God won't deviate and still work in other things just because I didn't know yet. You've got to understand that, my friend. God, our Lord, will not deviate from the one and only way and sphere and boundary and rule within he works simply because I don't know it yet. Some lived their entire lives and never knew it. And, and it's just the way it is, especially in today's backslidden and apostate state most of the church is in. You start talking about the cross to people, most people that claim to be Christian today, and they're going to start easing away from you. They're, they're really not interested in that. And, and it's because they've gone to sleep and they're dead because they just want their ears tickled and their fleshly lusts scratched and feel good about what they're doing, where they're going, and who they're listening to. Now, I've been there. I've been in all that. And I will tell you something. God will not deviate. He will not deviate from this way even when we're ignorant of it. And when we're ignorant of it, 
the situation is still destructive. The Apostle Paul gives his own life experience of when he wanted to live for God, when he wanted to not do that that was evil anymore, and he wanted to do that that was right, and he knew it, but he couldn't. He couldn't stop. He couldn't stop, and he cried out to God, who's going to save this old wretched man from this body of sin and because he reverenced God he feared God he wanted to please God he didn't just start saying well can't nobody do it ain't nobody perfect uh, you know and all all these things that the devil speaks in our flesh joins in agreement with the voice of the false teachers he wanted to live for God he wanted to please God. He was sick and tired of not being able to. And when God found him in that desperate place, then he showed him. Nobody knew this before Paul, before the Lord gave the revelation of how the Holy Spirit works and what really took place at Calvary to Paul. Hallelujah. And, and, he, and he showed Paul the power of the cross, the, the way of victory that was afforded at the cross, not just for a place in heaven one day, but for a place of victory right now, step by step, moment by moment, by faith in the death of Jesus. And we find our union. Paul reached that place where he wanted to live for God. And he wanted to please God. He wanted to serve God. And God saw that desperate heart and he poured out the truth of the crucified Savior and the reality and the picture of what happened there in the Spirit. And you and I have access to that today. And you and I can also, in our place of desperation that we find ourselves crying out to God, He will show us the way of the cross that He will not deviate from. And He will show us how come we've been so miserable and why we've been in a place of destruction because it's been the sin nature who is deceiving and slaying us. Romans 7, 9 through 13, read it. That's where we were found as Christians wanting to live for God, but it wasn't working, trying this, trying that, jumping on every wind of doctrine that blew through town and and then one day in a desperate state God found us just crying out Lord I don't know why everything's like it is and nothing's working nothing's right I know you love me and that's all I know I know you love me and literally that is all that I know and God began to pour he made an avenue he opened up a miraculous door for somebody somewhere that was preaching and focused on determined not to know nothing but Christ in him crucified. And I heard that message and I heard the determination in that message and it was the ter determination of my God, the determination of the Holy Spirit. I saw the determination of my Savior not to take his eyes off what he came to do. I saw the determination of the Holy Spirit not to deliver me anywhere other at any time but to this, what Jesus came to do. And then I heard men also with this same determination not to move, not to point, not to allow anything other than this message that's God's focus, that gives us focus. And I tell you what, it moved my heart. I accepted this. I accepted it. And I began to proclaim what everybody did in a backslidden child of God state. Oh, thanks be to God that through my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 
Christ I have the victory. Hallelujah. I have no victory to find outside of my Savior's victory afforded me at Calvary. And anything outside of that context when the word is opened is a seek something coming in secretly to disunion me from this place. And we must stand in spite of who gets their feelings hurt and chooses to go the way of mixture and leaven. We must stand. We must stand in this place. People are going to come. People are going to go. They've done it for 18 years that I've been involved in it. They've done it throughout the 2,000-year church age. Paul experienced this himself. At the end of his life and ministry, he would write to Timothy and say, Timothy, you know all those in Asia have forsaken me. He's he's writing again in another place and he says, there was a point when no man stood with me, but the Lord stood with me. Hallelujah. If you'll stand anchored in this truth of Calvary, you're going to be standing in the only place that the Lord will stand with you. If you're walking in this light, the light of who Jesus is and what he did at Calvary, the light of his righteousness offered you on the cross, then you will be walking in the light that he is in and your fellowship will get sweeter by the moment. Hallelujah. Your vision will get more clear by the moment and the experience of what your Jesus did for you and to you on that old rugged cross will be made more and more real to you day after day, moment by moment. Your boast will become more in the cross of Jesus Christ than ever before and him crucified. Oh, and you will also be be found moving away. Wherever there's a mixture, you will be found moving away. I'm not talking about mistakes that are made. I'm not talking about accidental things that we say along the way. I'm talking about where there is just the answer being offered is not the sacrifice of Christ. And when it's not, something else will be being offered. If it is not the death of Jesus, it is something that will bring destruction and disunion. And that's what the Bible says. Peter goes on to say, here that many shall many this means most all and you're 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 in the it ain't coming my friend we're at the end of this age right now the rapture is about to take place i'm looking for my jesus right now i'm looking for him right now we're at the end of this 2000 year period the bible calls the second day oh do you know how let's go oh hallelujah to the lamb let's go back in the old covenant and see something here if I can find it Hosea chapter 6 verse 2 you know a thousand years with men is but one day with God I don't care who don't believe that that's the way it is the Bible teaches it and and a thousand years with men is but one day to God and we know that that these uh, thousand year periods have been allotted in that way Christ and his people will come back with him in his second coming and will reign with him in the last day, the day of the Lord. 
and that is that last 1,000-year period. But we're right here at the end of the second day after Jesus having come, given his life, buried, and was raised on that third day. Listen, he, he, we in the end of that second day, sixth then, and watch the beauty of this prophetic word from Hosea. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 2, after two days, this is speaking of Israel, after two days will he revive us. In the third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Now this also speaks of his literal death and burial, that he died and after two days, on the third day, we were raised with him. We were crucified with him. We were buried with him. And after two days, on that third day, he raised us up. He raised us up and we shall live in his sight. But this is also symbolic of Israel. He will revive us after two days after he dies and on that third day, he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. The third day is coming very near. That third day, the third day since Christ died is that 7,000th year period. And I know some people don't like talking about this. I don't really care. It's scriptural. And it's coming soon. I'm talking about it any moment. And you and I need to be on track. We need to make sure that if we're not cross-eyed, if we're not focused on the Lamb, if we're not focused all the time, moment by moment, on what God did, that divine nature, that power of that divine nature offered us so that we could be partakers of that divine nature, then we're going to be in big trouble and we're going to be caught in a place like a thief being caught that wasn't ready. And you don't want to have to be in that predicament, my friend. You want to be ready. You want to be right now partaking of that divine nature because your faith is in what God did in his divine power, which was the offering of his son on Calvary's cross. The Bible says here, and many shall follow their pernicious, and that word means destructive again. Another word for destructive is same, same definition for damnable heresies. And many, this means most, shall follow their destructive ways. Who are they? Where is this happening? Because, because this is not things that are out there being taught to the world. These are things being taught to the church. Listen again to verse 1. But there were false prophets also among the people of God. That's what he's talking about here. Where were the prophets? Who were the prophets prophesying to? The people of God, Israel. But among them, there were false prophets. Even as there shall be false teachers among you, Christians, children of God. Get this. No. So, and verse 2, and many shall follow their destructive ways. Remember, any way other than the exclusive way of the cross is destructive. Romans 6, 16 teaches that. Don't you know that to whoever you yield yourselves to, his servants you are to whom you obey, 
whether it be of sin, that's not acts of sin, that's the noun, that's a noun, the sin nature that's unto death, destruction, or obedience unto righteousness. That's faith in the sacrifice of Christ, his obedience unto righteousness. Hallelujah. So when these men come in, many follow their destructive ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Get this now. In the old days, under the old covenant, Jesus said, Israel killed the prophets. I want you, I want you to put this together today. I pray, I, Lord, give this in our hearts to where we can see this like we should. Help us to put these two great facts, these two great truths together. Jesus said they killed the prophets. But yet Jesus said the prophets prophesied of him. He, he's the living word. So even under the new covenant where there are teachers, true teachers, preachers of righteousness pointing every moment, using every precept and every line to point to Christ crucified, there will be those that come in denying that we need to always bring redemption into our messages, which is a secretly entrance of destruction. And just as there were true prophets and false prophets and and the people of God mouthed about the true prophets because they were prophesying about a Savior they really didn't want no part of. And you know what? The Bible says that Israel and Jerusalem, even in the days of Jesus, they read the law on every Sabbath, but they didn't know the voice of the prophets. Let's go and look at that. <clears throat> I hope you're taking notes. Acts 13, and let's see where it's at. Acts 13, and let's start reading in this message that's being preached here in verse 26. Acts 13, verse 26. Men and brothers, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you, whosoever among you fears God, very important phrase, to you is the word of this salvation sent. Watch, for they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, they did not know Jesus. Watch, nor yet the voices of the prophets which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled the scriptures in condemning him. How awful, how ugly, how deceptive, how deceitful, how tremendously awful this is. The only people on the planet who had the word of God, the words of the prophets, the word of God that Jesus said was all about him. But they didn't know the voice that was speaking through the prophets. They hated the prophets, but yet they prophesied of Jesus. So who was it they hated? 
even back then. And Jesus shows up, and the preacher there in Acts says, because they didn't know him, they didn't even know the voice that was speaking through all the, they didn't know God. How awful is this? Where is the church today in all this? Because the Bible here flat out tells us that many shall follow their destructive ways, which is any way other than the cross. Any way other than the cross. Any way other than the cross is a destructive way. And by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. If you are someone like the Apostle Paul, and you, you can't be fully like him because he's the one that God gave the revelation of the cross and the picture in the spirit of what really happened on the cross. But you can be like Paul, not that we're trying to be like Paul, we're trying to be like Jesus. But Paul was a great testimony Witness to God and a testimony for us to look at. To see him in his desperate state, wanting to serve God, wanting to be found in his experience, obedient to God, pleasing God, but he couldn't. Saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, but he couldn't walk in this place of victory. And God showed him the cross. That's what you have to be looking at. And how often do we need to be looking there? The Holy Spirit tells us in the Word, I quoted it to you earlier, 2 Corinthians 4.11, that there's never a moment that the Holy Spirit is not delivering us who are alive unto death. Why is that? Because it's the only place your faith works. It's the only place you're being made conformable to. It's the only place God's given you to boast in. It's the only place you're hidden from the world in. It's the only place that God will not deny you. Because outside of that place, and I'm talking about here in our condition, outside of faith in that place, we're not abiding in Christ as the branches we are. Outside of that place. It's, it's the only object of faith God has given us to look at so that all the words he has spoken can come to light and meaning and experience by faith in our hearts and through our lives as Christ is being manifest through our acceptance of this one place we've been planted with him and that's in his death. You'll never, you'll never live a victorious Christian life that you have available and access to moment by moment until you moment by moment reckon yourself to be dead indeed unto that old sin nature that was responsible for crucifying Christ and yet alive unto God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about these things. Think about these things. People who sit week after week listening to preachers open the Word of God and expound on this subject and that subject and this topic, just assuming that everyone's faith is in Christ and Him crucified. That's not God's intention because most do not have their faith in the death of Jesus. If they did, there would be a mighty move of God taking place 
Oh my goodness. We should be learning of all that's written in the Word of God. But it has to be dipped in the blood before it can be applied to the heart of man. All of it. Nothing can be applied to my heart unless I'm beholding the Lamb. You see, that is the only place of application. It's the only place of application. It's not me sitting down and reading the chapter. It's me beholding the Lamb and seeing the Lamb in what I'm reading. You say, well, I, I, don't, I don't know how to see the Bible, every word, every chapter and verse in the light of the Lamb. Then you need to find yourself what's called a cross-preaching church, a spirit-filled, gospel, truly gospel-centered church, not just something that's written on the sign or above the door. And wherever God has his people with this determination that belongs to him to preach nothing but this message, using all the scriptures. There will be bad-mouthing. There will be criticism. There, there will be accusate. There will be everything imaginable thrown at them, just like it was in days of old. They hated the prophets. I've read it in many of Brother Swaggart's books, probably almost every one of them, the world looks for a different Savior than Jesus and the church looks for some other sacrifice than the only one God's offered and saved them through. Don't be found denying your Lord, which we were even as Christians when we weren't beholding the Lamb and trusting only in the Lamb. We were. And we still do deny Him when we're not trusting in the Lamb. I hope you've been encouraged, enlightened, and edified today. I hope you've taken some notes, and I hope that you're, you find yourself stronger in the faith in the days ahead. For many things are going to take place in the head, ahead, in the days ahead, rather. About three weeks ago, the Lord spoke a word of prophecy, not a word of prophecy, a word of warning, and he said there's a storm coming. Most of the time today, people hear words, words of warning and they sit there and it means nothing. It means nothing. When the Lord says there's a storm coming through a ministry that he's raised up, and you know who, what ministries those are because they're preaching the cross of Christ. That's their boast. That's their only view. When God sends warnings, you better prepare because wherever you take shelter during the storm is going to determine what happens to you after the storm is over. Wherever you take shelter when the storm comes, that's what's going to determine your outcome when the storm is passed. Glory be to God. I hope you'd go back over this lesson today again. I hope you'd listen to this again, take notes again the next time. Because if you do, our faithful Lord will pour out more truth to you. Praise be to God. Well, I better quit. It's already time to quit. I pray that God's touch today in a special way would be on your body, your soul, and your spirit. That his prosperity would be found in your body, 
your soul, and your spirit. Those of you who are struggling with physical infirmities, I'm asking the Lord that today would be the day of the healing that you need, the miracle that you need. He is faithful and he is able. Call upon him in the name of his son. If the Lord stirs your heart to be a part of this ministry, pray for us. Pray for us as we stand still in this great salvation. And if the Lord stirs your heart to give to him through this ministry, you can do that at thecrosswaychurch.com or you can simply text the word give to the number 903-231-5950. God bless you richly. Have a marvelous day beholding the Lamb in Christ Jesus all day long. I'll see you Sunday morning. My son Andrew will be ministering the Word. I'm looking forward to that. It starts at 10 a.m. Be here or be in a pew out there. God bless you. I love you. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. We'll see you then.